This is live from the convent. I searched for every last bit of that sly bitch called hope. It's a circus that arrives, stays for a while, and packs up and goes. It takes its sweet time, unless you hunt it down yourself. Good riddance. It may look good and smell nice, and there may even be stars in your eyes on encountering it. It's so charming and dazzling, but it's best dead, trust me. It pitches its tent and gets lateral, spreads out in the mine landscape, and it breathes. Hope is a fertile, horny, opportunistic temptress. Oh, though it could be male too. It's male and female and whatever nationality you want it to be. And when it's been eradicated, it's grim. Trust me, but stick with it. There's a wooden table on a concrete floor and a draft coming down a chimney through a fireplace and blowing on your shins. But the basicness of it all is the garish truth. Like one of those new lead lights pasted to your eyeball. Take comfort in it. Have a cold tea. Because you can't afford the electricity to boil the water. There's nothing as refreshing as a cold, dead fish across the face from an angry fisherman. He means it. He's been beaten up by the sea for decades. Today I played with a saucepan for eight hours to test my making do levels. It was tough. It separated my bullshit self from my stripped-down, resourceful self. By the end, I had a new appreciation for the manufacturing team behind the pot. I had to break down the eight hours so that I wouldn't drift too far into the unknown or lose myself on the stainless steel pot highway. The first hour was dedicated to tapping the sides and listening. After about 57 minutes, I thought I saw the spirit of George Harrison. And he looked like he was itching to compose a piece from all the din. Maybe he would call it pot to piss in. Now again... I don't know for sure if it was his ghost, 
but seemed pretty close enough. And this is the song that he came out with. Hollow and silver round the rim went. I spent a penny, sat down in a tent. You walked a raspberries with just to get closer and closer. I warned you off with my wily wares. You were long off the cliff. I ran a marathon full of rum. You were the child of a postman. I wet my lips for a chocolate eclair. We dreamed of life in a wigwam. Wiggly woggly silver pot in July 16th passed all over again Back to the place with the stoned violins Cello and gravy and squirrels on the blink I washed a stallion all over you protested to the skirting boards I drank a strong coffee upside down giraffes were all looking on a grey abandoned onion didn't make the stew Wiggly woggly silver pot in July 16th passed all over again Back to the place with the stone violins Cello and gravy and squirrels on the blink The second and third hours I wore the saucepan on my head and purposefully walked into walls. And this was all part of the killing hope process. To keep my mind occupied while it screamed and kicked and fizzled out in the molten lava of my imagination. The afterclang of pot against wall made my brain vibrate. I saw two front doors in the hallway and two regular glass peeping frames swaying from side to side like I finally got to be in a cartoon which was wildly exciting. All the headbutting unblocked something. I'm not sure what. But I didn't feel like being involved in the arts anymore. Like my original decision to be artistic was a reaction to something or some things. All I know is that I was once as serious as an actuary or accountant as a little girl. 
and then I wasn't as serious. And I'm not saying that accountants and actuaries are only serious all of the time. And I'm not saying that pursuing a career in the arts is something that's not serious, just to clear that up. But performing and writing is risky and not the most stable of choices for a profession, if you can call it a profession. Maybe I should have consulted with an actuary before I decided to pursue such a life. And it all started out probably because someone influential had laughed at an impression I did because it was all comedy and impressions in the beginning for me. And so it followed on from there. And a weak reason, maybe. But when you're young or old, it seems moves are made based on that very thing. Somebody influential approving of something that you've done. I noticed if I held the pot in place and right against my forehead, it didn't hurt as much. It was a wonderful experience. And I thought about starting a camp where people would do this for days until they were vibrated right back to that pivotal moment their fate was sealed. And maybe they could see if their whole career path was a knee-jerk reaction to an event or something someone who you thought was important, said. Because I know that once upon a time, even playing a sheep in a nativity play scared the cannelloni out of me. How do I go from that to this? Well, I know how and why now. But this particular revelation only occurred to me during lockdown when I had a lot of time to think about where I'm at. For the fourth hour, I wrote out dares on pieces of paper, cut them into strips, crumpled them up, and put them in the pot. The dares all would have to be performed in the confines of my place of residence. I decided to not hold back in the boldness. The dares were fairly out there and were the likes to be conceived of by your worst enemy at a 24-hour Long Island iced tea cocktail party lit by lead lights, no windows and a locked iron door. So no escaping for a breather outside after performing the audacious and perverse request on the piece of paper in order to let your blush die down or your liquid mercury dignity sandbag its perimeter. The first dare I picked out told me to cover my body in gorgonzola cheese and pinot grigio and tongue the back of the toilet. I did all of that, fairly straightforward. I then asked the empty room if perhaps I could break for five minutes to shower off. I wanted to make it realistic for myself to believe that I was at this cocktail party with people who write out humiliating dares. There was a resounding no. 
Fine, I thought. These people really mean business. Dare number two was to run outside my front door, find the nearest poor misfortunate man walking by and kiss him. A long kiss. They didn't even allow me time to mentally prepare myself. I swung the front door wide open, ran out and hijacked the first male person I saw. Surprisingly, he was handsome. Unfortunately for me, if I was at some level trying to make a good impression, I reeked of force five cheese and wine. He may have thrown up into a bush immediately afterwards, but I wasn't allowed to wait around and watch the after effects. Racing back through the doorway, I reached down into the saucepan for my next challenge. This involved calling next door. I was to knock, wait for somebody to let me in, show them my arse and ask, do you think this looks big? This was the worst one. This was too much. This would be enough to put you in a padded room. This had to be thought up by someone really mean. Setting out to sabotage any kind of meaningful life for myself. But I'm very proud to say that I completed the task with aplomb and as much class as one can muster in such a situation. Luckily, my neighbor asked if it was a dare. And because the dare hadn't forbade me to disclose whether or not I was acting out a dare, I told the truth. Some party, it sounds like you're having next door, he said. Yes, I answered over simply. Next time you'll get an invite for sure. A pretty mean ask getting you to do this, though, was the last thing he shouted as I left quickly. Maybe, I thought. Maybe I'm reenacting the levels of humiliation I've already had to endure. Just a happy food for thought there. The final piece of paper on the close of the fourth hour and I was definitely grateful it didn't involve slathering some smelly substance over myself or exposing any body parts to strangers. It told me to make a serious video for any social media platform about being an alien on Earth and how I send the info back up to space. So I'd be a being a bit like Mr. Bean, but a woman. So it's kind of different. And once a week you'd have a Zoom or, or a Skype meeting with the mothership and that naturally they'd look after the rent and utility bills. And this time the dare specified that I couldn't have any disclaimer on the video that this was a joke and that I wouldn't be allowed to respond to are you okay comments after publishing. The fifth hour was about being inside the pot. Even if only my foot fit, 
I had to let myself experience what only vegetables and meat would feel. This hour was the most mentally taxing and I vowed to give yoga another try whenever this experiment was done. The sixth and seventh hour were about carving timeless phrases with the use of a compass onto its surface. To whittle things down proved tough. There are so many quotes, so many great writers and quotes by non-writers. The most I could probably fit were about five to ten phrases on the pot and it all depended on the size and accuracy of my writing with a precarious instrument like a compass. Two authors whose quotes I've always liked and that immediately came to mind uh, for the task, C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. We'll start with C.S. Lewis. No man knows how bad he is till he has tried very hard to be good. Another one. No one ever told me that grief felt so like fear. Another one. Reality is not neat, not obvious, not what you expect. Another one. Nothing that you have not given away will ever be really yours. Another one. Education without values as useful as it is, seems rather to make man a more clever devil. And my favorite one, what you see and what you hear depends a great deal on where you are standing. It also depends on what sort of person you are. And some from J.R.R. Tolkien. It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your front door. Another one. Little by little, one travels far. Another one. Faithless is he that says farewell when the road darkens. Another one. The deeds will not be less valiant because they are unpraised. I couldn't read my own writing there. Another one. Not all those who wander are lost. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I feel like that one really applies to me. Shortcuts make long delays is another one. After engraving all of these quotes, there were slivers of stainless steel all over my hands and inside the pot. I emptied them into the bin and for the final three hours... I made the most epic of stews. This pot, which I'd learned so much from already, I filled with stainless steel shavings, carrots, onions, potatoes, the quotes, the dares, flecks of gorgonzola pinot grigio quiche from my own flesh, dead hope, humiliation, Shed shreds of dignity, jus de funk, parsley, butter, plastic bags, floor fluff, 
old cake. Oh, to see it blister and boil. And I made a promise to myself, a stewed promise. So it was infused with all those flavors. The promise was to slay hope should it ever show its face again. But that's ridiculous. And like any good stew, much of the content is eaten or evaporated. And that is the only way for a promise to. Mm-hmm.